All evidence to the contrary, it is May. Happy May, everybody. This is the Bite Me Texas Saltwater Fishing Podcast. I'm John Lopez. That's Captain Scott Null. I guess we get weather like this uh, in May, but man, what a week we have had. Thank you for subscribing. If you're listening to this podcast via a notice that you got on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate it. If you just clicked on it, go ahead and uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe. Podcast is doing really, really good. We have a ton of fun doing it, Captain Scott and myself, and uh, got some really good news uh, this week on the podcast. It's already been ranked among the top fifteen or so uh, Texas, uh, excuse me, saltwater fishing podcasts in the country, and uh, the numbers are going through the roof. Uh, all we got to do, Captain Scott, is figure out a way to monetize it for ourselves. But uh, other than that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it worthwhile for me to drive two and a half hours <laughs> well, once a well, week. Well, hopefully, we'll get you a trip or two out of the deal. But uh, no, nah, we love doing this, man. And maybe that's why it's been such a good hit. You know, two reasons. The listeners have been fantastic with the questions. And, of course, uh, we just enjoy doing it. If I'm not fishing, I like talking fishing. And if I'm not fishing or talking fishing, I'm usually working on my boat or my fishing gear. Uh, It's in our blood. It's in your blood if you're listening. It's the next best thing to being on the water is the Bite Me podcast. Subscribe today. Be a better fisherman tomorrow. All right. Let's not put anything off anymore. we got a big, big, big show for you today. Uh, Again, thanks for all your questions and, and for subscribing Uh, it is may Uh, as i mentioned all evidence to the contrary looking out this window it looks like january yeah it does look like january right now uh all right so adjustments and strategies for may and and speaking of the weather this week um we're going to dig into that because i think everything's being pushed back a little bit i'll get what captain scott thinks about that also this uh you got this direct message captain scott outside of the obvious signs which we talk about often and we reiterate often you know what to look for when you're trying to catch fish I have a I have an answer to this that may be a little peculiar, but I'm interested to get yours. Okay, outside of the obvious signs, what would make us stop at a particular spot to fish? Um, I think that's a great question that you got there. Like, it doesn't look fishy per se or bait or whatever, but we see something that would make us stop at a particular uh, spot. What would that be? We're going to get to that. Uh, we didn't get to this last week, so we will hear. Uh, this came out of a, a a little tidbit, a small item I saw in Tide magazine that said how to see fish when you can't actually see them. And that's relatively self-explanatory. In other words, you're not seeing tailing redfish. You're not seeing trout, you know, running through your legs or under your boat, you know. But what are the other things you might see on the water that indicate there are fish underneath there? All right. We dug deep, deep dive, as we like to say into tarpon fishing uh, last week, and that is Captain Scott's area, one of his areas of of supreme expertise. Kayaking is another, okay? And so uh, we're going to take a deep dive into kayaking uh, this week from tips to the style of fishing to the gear uh, to the kayaks themselves, uh, etc. A couple of other items here I think we'll get to, uh, so I'm going to mention them. When do you? We've never really talked about bucktails and blades uh, on baits. Uh, very much. Uh, I think we can dive into that. Uh, Learning to fish new baits, and by that I mean you heard about this bait. We had a couple of guys uh, that that have uh, given me some baits here and there. How do you learn to fish a new bait? Maybe even get into some surf fishing strategies, but uh, hey, we'll we'll just play it by ear. We're not going to cut any uh, discussion short, so we'll get to what we get. Captain Scott, you're looking good. How are you, man? 
Uh, a little bit of sunburn. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little fishing in. Yeah. It's been so cloudy for so long. And all of a sudden, <laughs> sun came out. I wasn't ready for it. You got to wear that floppy hat like I do, man. <laughs> My nose is kind of sticking out under the hat there. But you got some trips in. Yeah. Got out on the water some. Uh, wasn't supposed to, man. based on the weather. But it changed. But then it, uh, all of a sudden, you know, that forecast wasn't right. Mm-hmm. The weather guesser was wrong. The weather guesser. Uh, yeah, it cost me a trip on Saturday because they said 100% chance of rain and mm-hmm. woke up Saturday morning. It was beautiful. So <laughs> uh, my guy had canceled. He didn't want to drive all the way down, you know, right. three hours down to, right. to fish and uh, come down and sit and watch it rain. Right. We've so, all been there. So we canceled it. And of course, lo and behold, I woke up Saturday morning. It was gorgeous. And uh, so I went out, did a little scouting around, poked around a little bit here and there by myself. Right. Well, hopefully that'll be the case this weekend because there is some heavy rains forecast, but maybe it won't dip down to your area along the Texas coast. Nah, it's showing everywhere. And oh, I'm saying maybe, you know, maybe it won't, <laughs> it won't dip down there, all the way down there. If it does, maybe there'll be some windows where you can get some fishing in. Either way, we got the talk for you. And by the way, I mentioned uh, the great questions we get from so many listeners. You can reach us at uh, uh, com. You can reach him also on Facebook, Scott Null, Captain Scott Null. Uh, and book a trip with him, man. Uh, he, he'll get it done for you. I can tell you that uh, for sure. Something and, about that uh, mm-hmm. just came to my attention just recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a contact page on there. On, on your the website? Oh, good. Com. There's a contact page on there. Been on there forever and it's always worked. Well, it was a little period there where apparently it wasn't working right okay and so if you sent me a message and i didn't respond to okay. it just know that that's what it was it's working now it's good all the messages are coming through so it's working now and of course facebook direct facebook message direct message uh, we'll get it works. done and if you have suggestions um uh, for the show and most of our most of our topics now if, if they don't come directly from a suggestion it's something that we think about via a question or a, com- a conversation we've had with some some fishermen and fisherwomen out there uh you can reach me at lopez on sports on twitter uh, also uh, lopez on sports on instagram and direct message on facebook john lopez all right adjustments and strategies for may i think we need to start this captain with this isn't your average may from from what i'm seeing already but even beyond the rain everything's just pushed back a little bit so how does that affect where where you're planning what you're planning to do this may um may's may's usually the month that everything kind of settles out Mm -hmm. but over the last two or three years it seems like we've had this later later spring uh, the April showers you mm-hmm. know, bring May flowers. Well, not it's drug, drug on into May pretty hard. Right. Uh, I was looking earlier. There, two or three different major floods mm-hmm. have happened in May over and, the last and few water years. runoff like crazy. That Memorial Day flood yep. here a couple of years ago. Um, so the the hill country's full of water right now, and that's all coming down to me mm-hmm. through Guad. Uh, drove over the Brazos yesterday. I was with Caleb. We we're coming going up to from West Astros Columbia, game, yeah. going to the Astros game, and uh, <laughs> we drove over the bridge. And you did, it was like almost lapping at the bottom of the bridge. Man, and that was before all this rain that's coming in today and right. over the next three or four days. So, I mean, we kind of laughed about it as we went over the bridge. So, well, the Brazos is out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then know, there's the Colorado down where chocolate. I go. Yeah, uh, they're it, all running. And then you go up a little further north, and you got the Natchez and the Sabine, and yep. water is coming into our base systems. Yep. So, well, with the water coming in as heavy as it is, 
you know any of those marshes that are right around the the mouths of the mm -hmm. the rivers are pretty much going to be washed out for a while uh the trinity's flowing high high right now from mm -hmm. what i saw um it's not historic high but it's it's up there and with all this rain coming it could go um you know in the well above flood stage mm -hmm. so here we go again with trinity getting blown out you know just like it has year after year here lately right uh it just gonna look at a map and look at where those rivers come out right and imagine that water coming in there and how it plumes out when it hits that open area it just kind of plumes it doesn't go in a straight line down a shoreline or anything it, it goes peacocking it just, kind yeah of, it just yeah. opens up starts thin and kind right. of goes wide it's a peacock effect and the front edge of that is that fresh water is pushing mm -hmm. you know it's pushing down into the bay uh, a lot of it depends on how strong the south winds we get along with it uh, how big the tides are like yeah. right now the tides are really big mm -hmm. uh, they're super high and so that helps it mixes in with some of that fresh water right uh, so water might not be real clear but it's salty enough mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I don't know if i'd do it in galveston so much right now because of the recent issues but right i like to put my just put my hand in the water and get a little taste and right. see see if how much salt's on there mm -hmm. uh you can also go to i think i've mentioned it before go to a pet shop uh, that does saltwater aquariums mm -hmm. and you can get a hydrometer and, and drop it in you can put it in the water and you can see how much right salt is in the actual water uh you can you can eyeball it old school style uh yeah. you know what's coming out of your uh you, you know your wake uh, if it's real real foamy and salty you'll know you'll be able to see it uh but i like to do this and i've mentioned this once or twice and this is the perfect time to do it you go to tides and currents one word tides and currents dot n-o-a-a -A dot gov i'm going to help a lot of fishermen right now okay i know you know this uh but uh, uh some of our listeners uh, may not have uh, have seen this go to tides and currents dot n-o-a-a -A dot gov and what they have there is uh, a uh salinity level and they call it now cast so like you can go down it scroll you scroll down it says for whatever area you pick you know I'm, i just happened mm -hmm. to pick uh, sabine because it was the first one that came up It'll give you the water level of that bay. It'll give you the wind level, temperature, and then it has salinity now cast. And you click on that before, like literally before you get on the water, like like 10 minutes, you know, while, you, while you're, before you undo the boat. And it's color-coded the most, the, the, the saltiest areas of uh, that particular bay. Now, I'm showing you right now, Sabine, purple is bad, okay? <laughs> purple means it's really, really fresh. Uh, yellow... And blue means it's pretty salty. So what I'm showing, describe what I'm showing you right now. The entire, the, the, entire, bay. the entire bay system, including what's going out between the jetties, yeah. is purple. It's fresh. It's, it's all fresh. That, that's fresh water. And there's a blue plume going out into the Gulf. This is a valuable tool. Yep. I mean, extremely. Because like if I were on if I were on the dock at Pleasure Island right now or wherever. I would say I would either bag it. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd say, well, um, I, I probably need to put some bass lures yeah. in, the, in the boat. <laughs> I'd either bag it, I'd go catfishing, or I'd go to maybe, uh, you know, the end of the jetties there on the inside where it's all. So, so, and that's what I was going to get to. Mm -hmm. May is a good month for the beachfront. Yeah. Uh, man, a guy, I was at Fish Tackle Unlimited before I came over here, and uh, we were talking, uh, me and Greg Verm. He's on the pro staff as well over there. All right. And he happened to be in the store at the same time as me. 
and we were talking about the beachfront mm-hmm. and he's he's on some good fish really good fish he showed me a couple pictures of some solid solid trout right uh so the beachfront is turning on at times it's not it's not super consistent i've seen some pictures on some of the websites yeah, it's been pretty good mm-hmm. and uh, he's wading and doing real well uh he had i mean they were all solid fish mm-hmm. you know up mid 20s right yeah you know, that's pretty good you know mid to low 20s like you can keep right uh, they and they were thick thick looking fish mm-hmm. so with all this fresh water i'd kind of on those right days like this past saturday right when that it was supposed to be windy and blowing and nasty we ended up having a little light north wind mm-hmm. man that sets up perfect for going to the beach oh yeah uh, and especially if the, we get the right wind right as you just mentioned i just happened to open up on that website and, and again again we don't get paid for any of this stuff i'm just telling you what would i always do i, I opened up uh, the matagorda uh noaa uh i call it's tides and i call it noa it's tides and currents.noaa.gov and if you look at that one i would go west because it's a lot saltier on the west side oh yeah of, with the colorado yeah. running the way it is yeah. all of west matagorda bay right towards matagorda yeah is all going to start freshening up now redfish that's not a problem sure you know, sure redfish can they'll live in freshwater mm-hmm. uh, so they're generally not a problem as long as you got water clarity um, but but again, and that's that's just one part of uh, adjustments and strategies for for a, a wet May like we're having or in, in May uh, that we're having right now. The other one is is you can just uh, when you're on the water a lot of times, and this is what I dream of is is if I'm cutting across the bay and it's fresh, fresh, fresh. You see that line on right. the water where oh, yeah. where it turns salty. Yeah, stop your dang boat and and work that both sides as much as you can. Right. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine a bunch of sheep being herded. Yeah. You know, there's a big push behind them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that fresh water. The fresh water is the push. So they can be stacked up right on that line. Yeah. Uh, some of them will scoot on out well ahead of it, but it, the bait fish is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if the bait's getting pushed by that fresh water, then the, the trout and the reds and everything else is going to yeah. follow right in. Absolutely. And remember what I always say, and it's this, and this just a mindset you have to have. Which which might lead into the next topic, but but for now, as we're talking about maize, is, is remember that they're predators like tigers. Like think of trout like tiger. I'm thinking about trout. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it fits with other fish as well. But I think of trout like tigers. They even have snaggle teeth. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, they're predators. They hide in the bushes yep. and they come out into the pasture or the clearing and 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 get you. So they're hiding in the dirty water or near the dirty water, and then they see the bait in the clear water. And they're a tiger, and they go good. That's why I would stop that. I, I do. I stop there every single time. Yeah. Well, something else to keep in mind too is fresh water will sit on top. Yes. At those areas where they're where it's mixing, mm-hmm. uh, the fresh you'll have a layer of fresh water on top. And the salty water will be down below it. There's times like in the river. Uh, well, I used to fish the Brazos a lot. Mm-hmm. The surface would be totally fresh. Right. But that river's 30, 40 feet deep and down deep that's where the fish are <laughs> you can see them on your depth finder mm-hmm. and there they were and we could drop jigs down to them and we catch trout out of the river when the top was totally fresh that's a good point and also another reminder of, of go ahead and grab you one of those little salinity meters because you can drop it down in a bay yeah. in a bay is the same premise the water does right. it does level out i mean there are levels of water even on a bay Sure. Um, anything else uh, here as far as adjustments? And what about just a general May? Let's say after this week, you know, next week we get into a regular May pattern. What, what, you know, what are what's a good uh, couple of 
ideas for for may in general there's lots of bait yep uh, the shrimp are getting to the right size now where the redfish are finding them mm-hmm. uh, that's what we were on sunday when we were out we had some tails you know little small pods of tailing fish right uh the shrimp are they're still in the grass right now still up in the cord grass but mm-hmm. they're going to start moving out that first little batch of shrimp and remember and remember that there's it's all baits right all baits growing up right now yeah it's springtime it's it's early mm-hmm. you know and, and all the baits are going to be growing up and getting a little bit bigger and those little bitty tiny shad that they were slashing through mm-hmm. like we've talked about before where it's hard to get a fish to eat yeah an individual lure now those those shad are getting a little bigger so you can start keying in on them as well. One thing about May is you can catch some really, really big trout because of so much bait out there. You you know, you always hear this big bait, big fish, you know, big bait, big trout, whatever. May can be little bait, big trout. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen several big trout here in mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. while I've been polling. Yeah. In six, eight inches, ten inches of water. And they're just laying in grass. And I mean, it's amazing to how well they camouflage themselves mm-hmm. we're not seeing them until we're right on top of them that's crazy but we're seeing some 25 to 30 inch fish man laid up in that grass and uh, it's they don't spook right they know you're there mm-hmm. when you're polling i hear that all the time and I'll, i bet polling you can catch those big trout you can't they know you're there <laughs> they know you're there you have to be and, able to cast with conventional right right you throwing to, conventional yeah. you can probably do it better uh on the fly you know you're so close to them mm-hmm. by the time the average fly fisherman can, throwing 30 can yards cast to it yeah then you're right on top of them mm-hmm. and they already know you're there they won't spook they right. don't leave they ain't gonna eat either right they'll just lay there and uh you know you, you put a bait the reason I, I also said you know may is a small bait big trout month as much as anything because because there's so many different you just talked about it there's shrimp there's mullet there's there's uh, every kind of bait imaginable out there that's that's growing and coming out of the marshes they can't resist you know what i mean yeah. uh, uh, tr- no fish can resist if they're really starting to feed yeah i mean and it can get frustrating at times because there is almost too much bait mm-hmm. uh, so you have to do something that's a little bit different yeah, you, know, you find that big pot of bait, and mm-hmm. you just work a lure along next to it, and you hope. Yeah, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> you got to. I like to make all the bait jump, mm-hmm. get them jumpy, and think about it as playing with a cat. You know, if you play with a cat and you're just real calm, the cat doesn't. You know, he might pat at you or whatever. Yeah, but you make a quick movement, and they all of a sudden the instincts they arch know, up their back. Cats are wild. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're closer to wild animals than mm-hmm. than domestic sometimes. And uh, they will, you know, they pounce. Yeah. Uh, so think about it that way. It's a good point. When you're trying to coax these fish that are kind of neutral, mm-hmm. not really feeding real hard, but you know they're there, mm-hmm. try something a little jerkier, a little little more movement to it, a little flash. Try to get a reaction bite out of it. Yeah, no, that's a great, great, a great, great analogy right there. Uh, I guess I have to, uh, you know, obviously do the obligatory that's why i use a popping cork in the spring uh uh, thing because it does do the same thing Uh, it creates some sort of a reaction i I like to tell uh, people somebody doesn't come along and sponsor you on a popping cork no kidding no kidding uh because uh because i like to say wake them up you know um but that's not to say that i don't throw or we shouldn't throw in may especially in the mornings a big old plug or a big old 
you know, uh, top water and get wading and get wet and, and get to the shoreline because that still works for, for a big trout. I'm just saying oh, yeah. it's kind of a crossover effect this month. Right. It, and nice, you got to watch the bait. Mm-hmm. And it, I've found it over and over again when there's way too much bait, you have to do something different. You have mm-hmm. to wake them up a little bit and yeah. make them get them excited. Um, just think about it. I mean, if you're, you've been at the buffet and you've been eating all afternoon, <laughs> you, bu- you unbuckle know, your pants, you unbuckle your pants, <laughs> and you keep looking at the buffet and it's there. You might snack a little bit. You might, eh, maybe one but more. But you're not going to get another plate. Yeah, maybe one more. <laughs> you know? Most people aren't going to get another plate. Yeah. Um, but think of it that way: that the buffet is laid out for them in mm-hmm. the springtime. Mm-hmm. They got everything that they want to eat is right there in front of them. They can pick and you gotta choose. You got to coax them. So you got to do. You got to. Mm-hmm. You got to lay the dessert. Out yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Put that big old slice of key lime pie. <laughs> there, out there, you for them. there you go. There you go. Uh, all right, so that does tie in with uh, the, the the next topic we're going to talk about here, unless you have anything else on May that you want to hit. No, uh, but um, it should be settling out. Well, real quick, how would you rank months? This isn't an, an official topic, but it just made me think, because November would be number one probably for most people. Rank rank the months for bay fishing in Texas. I would say November. October, November. I, uh, I'll go November, then October. Yeah. Then what? Uh, for me, it's October, November. Uh, I like December a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, depends on the weather, you know, and good right. weather years. Right. Uh, generally speaking, I like May. Mm-hmm. This May so far. Is That's not, why I'm asking because me too. Yeah, this May has not impressed so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Uh, then June is interesting. Yeah, because my tarpon starts showing. Oh up. yeah. See, I was and like I, rolling. I was trying to think why do you like excited. June so much? Yeah. And, in the old days when all i did was guiding redfish year round mm-hmm. middle of june i was still okay towards the end of june it started slacking up a little bit for me yeah july and august were tough because mm-hmm. the water gets so hot up shallow uh so now that i've got the big boat and i do the beachfront thing right and i can get out there and do something different uh, that's they've become some of my favorite months now. yeah no doubt june july august september I love them. Because so you're, you're ranking. Them. Give me, give me like your that. top, give me your five, top five in order. Uh, probably October. Mm-hmm. Uh, October, November, May, and September. September's pretty dang good uh, as well. I would go, and I, it also is, is, is kind of revealing because I'm always about, I mean, I, I love catching tr- redfish, don't get me wrong, but I'm always about trout first. Right. So mine are November. October, May, late February when it's right, or early March. Yeah, late February when it's right, or early March, and then uh, yeah, probably September would be would be my uh, would be my number five. Uh, all right, so this is the question we were going to get to um, from one of our listeners. So you're fishing along, and there's no bait. You're not seeing this bait that we were just talking about in May. You know, it just looks kind of dead. And we've had a couple of two weeks ago when I was fishing. It was not. It was. It was rough. It was hard to find fish, yeah. uh, and there wasn't a lot of bait working and all that. So, what makes you all of a sudden go? You know, you're cruising down the shoreline, or you're going across the bay, and you're like, "Hmm, that looks interesting." Absent of the obvious signs, what makes you do that? Smell. Smell works. Uh, I, you know, if you've ever smelled a slick, you know what a slick smells like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also just different smells that. Uh, you know, when bait fish really pile up in an area, they're not necessarily getting eaten, 
there's a difference. It's kind, kind of, of a stink. Smell it's kind it. of a stink. Yeah. At times, it yeah. can be kind of, of stink. Uh, but the number one is, you know, and that, that ties in with a visual of slicks, mm-hmm. but you don't always see the slick. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a dead slick, calm morning, you can't see the slick. Right. Uh, if the water's too rough, you can't see the slick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't look right. Uh, but it's that everybody describes it a little different. Overripe watermelon, fresh cut grass. Yep. Uh, to me, it smells more like fresh cut hay. You know, like a hay field yeah. that's just been like, cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a crisp, sweet kind of a smell. And I want to make a cologne out of it. <laughs> and, and different, different. That fish. way, all week long, I could be like, ah, I'm ready. There you go. That's a million dollar idea. Somebody needs to come in with that for a sponsor. It's going to be. It's a new men's cologne. Yeah. It's called uh, Trout Slick. And on your radio show, Andrew would have to take over sometimes because you just zone out. I would just zone out. I'd be in my happy place. Trout Slick Cologne. You can contact me on Facebook. It's a million dollar idea. But different fish will make different kind of slicks and different mm-hmm. smells too. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of learn what a trout slick smells like. Uh, redfish slicks, I've you know redfish don't slick a lot, mm-hmm. but I have seen it. I've seen them. Um, one of the ones that you hit right now is uh, the old whisker fish. Those gaff top man, they will <laughs> they'll slick up really especially big in deeper water around passes yeah. this time of year because they're breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get all excited, then you're like, oh, no, oh yeah. that's probably gaff top. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a little different smell as well. Mm-hmm. But if you don't quite pick up on that and you make a cast in there, you won't won't take you long to understand. Well, it actually take you a long time to bring it in. <laughs> It'll take you a while to bring it in. And be careful because I've done it before where I've had guys out and we've been chasing birds mm-hmm. and slicks and all that. And they're casting, they're catching these 14, 15 to 16 inch fish you know mm-hmm. just one after another and we come up on a school of five or six pound gaff tops <laughs> they almost lose rods oh yeah the first one that it gets Trying to eaten, set the hook uh, yeah it'll jerk the rod right out of there yeah so um, so that's that's probably my number one on the less obvious signs sometimes it's just a hunch sometimes it's the way water's flowing out of a cut mm-hmm. you know that i wasn't really expecting you know as i'm coming around a corner and i'm i'm heading somewhere else that's what the fellow sent that message and said okay i'm yeah. yeah why, running, why should I stop? I've here? got a spot in mine ten miles down the shoreline, but mm-hmm. I'm running along. Why would I stop somewhere else? Right. Uh, sometimes it's just I come around a corner and the way the wind's blowing mm-hmm. off of a point, mm-hmm. and I, it just suddenly hits me. Man, last time I saw that, yeah, I had fish there. It's funny you said that because that that was going to be the only thing I can add. And, and obviously, you know, you you have better experience uh, than I do. Uh, but we've both been fishing for 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 decades. You said earlier, sometimes it's a hunch. Sometimes I've caught I've caught fish in the past there. I think I don't know how to put this other than it's an innate experience that you have, and it's an innate knowledge you have from yeah. being on the water a lot. I've done it a bunch of times. I know you have because you know you're you're such an expert at what you do. But I've stopped somewhere for a reason that I can't even explain. You know, the where, where, and I know there is a reason in my mind, you know, I've seen, there's something that made something click in my mind. Like, you know what, that would be a pretty good spot and caught fish. And I think it's just being on the water as much as I've been, you know, people talk about some old salts that just can stick their finger in the water and find out where the fish is. That's great urban myth. But what it really is, that dude knows something that he doesn't even know he knows. Well, I relate it back to being a cop. Mm -hmm. We went on hunches all the time. 
Yeah, but it's more than a hunch. It's more than a hunch, Mm -hmm. and that's the only way you can describe it is as a hunch. Mm -hmm. But it what it is is all of your experiences are tucked away in that brain of yours. That uh, I mean, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, (laughs) but all of those things are tucked back in there. And believe it or not, your mind is working on them Mm -hmm. all the time, and it just gives you a gut feeling that. And you, that, that sometimes that you 500 yards earlier did not right you know and you may not be able to describe it you may not be able to put a finger on why why mm-hmm. you had that feeling uh, but it's it's all your past experiences and all of a sudden you see it right it's deja vu it's man i was here before yep. and it worked yep i've been in this situation and it worked before and it might be even if you don't realize it, something you smelled, something you saw on a pass, something that you saw on a drain, something that you saw. I, I'm thinking of one in particular. I, I recently did this about a month and a half ago where there was, was another sluggish day. And I said, that looks interesting. And went in there and caught a couple of trout. I mean, I didn't slay them, but I caught a couple of nice trout. And it was just like there was a little bit of a kind of a hook in the uh, in the shoreline, just a little jutting mm-hmm. out of. And I'm like. Okay, so why does the water look like that on that side? I just kind of told myself, well, I'll give it a shot. And I don't know what made me go there, but right there where I saw, I caught a couple of fish. So it's it's an innate thing mm-hmm. that basically what we're doing here, Scott, is we're telling people to go fishing a lot more. That's And, and that, that's what I was just thinking as you were saying it. And after what I had just said, I mean, it it's just years of experience of being on the water and fishing so many different places and so many different conditions mm-hmm. and all of those experiences pile up and you can sort them out <laughs> and you can you know put them into your your spreadsheet it's in your, your vault yeah it's in your spreadsheet in your head you know mm-hmm. and you, you the lines intersect and all of a sudden okay that's where i need to be mm-hmm. uh, the only way that you can get there is experience and doing it uh, so what i would tell people that are starting off and learning this game stop and fish places yeah stop fish Yep. If you see something that even remotely looks interesting to you, stop and fish it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost you anything to cast. Yeah, doesn't I mean, cost you anything. You, to cast. you see a sandbar sticking off or a point like you were talking about, a curved out. Mm-hmm. Stop. Get out. Do a weight on it. Just do a drift across it. Right. Throw a lure a few times and. You never know. Hey, we are a full-service podcast here. We're telling you to go fishing as much as you can. <laughs> I mean, That's the answer, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is the answer. Tell your wife. <laughs> hey, John, blame me. Blame, blame, blame Captain Scott and myself. You know what? I got to go. I got to go fishing. Uh, John and Scott said to, so I can be a better fisherman. All right, another interesting thing here. I sent this to you because uh, I was, you know, I thumbed through all the magazines and everything, and I saw one line in in a story that said, "How you see fish? How do you see fish when you can't actually see them?" Um, I think this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it to you. This is your complete area of expertise. You do it every day. You did it this week. When you're on that polling platform, and it doesn't necessarily just go for a polling platform. You can see trout. You can see when you're on a regular boat without short of actually seeing the actual fish. What are things that you see where you go, there's a fish there? Uh, Learn the different wakes uh, up where I fish in the shallows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Learn what a wake looks like for a mullet, uh, what a redfish wake looks like. Uh, Sheep's head wake looks different. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all look different. Uh, learn learn that uh, redfish wake is more of a u shape and it's gonna 
it might have a little arc to it as mm-hmm. it's swimming along, but mm-hmm. most of the time it'll just swim in a, in a general straight direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, sheep's head goes side to side. They zigzag all over the damn place, mm-hmm. uh, but they have that kind of a U-shaped wake. Uh, mullet are more of a V-shaped wake. Mm-hmm. Uh, trout. Faster. A, yeah, usually faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're schizophrenic little guys. That are, yep. you know, well, I mean, they're on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, they better be schizophrenic. Yeah, they they want to be ready to jump any second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen big trout wakes, and that's a whole different thing. It almost looks like a snake sometimes going mm-hmm. across shallow water. They're, they're slower. They're slower, mm-hmm. and they're, they're more deliberate. Uh, so learn the wakes. Uh, also learn the difference between when you hear that little pop, this flashing pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get guys all the time on the bow that hear that mullet do it all the time mm-hmm. mullet that are swimming on top big mullet foot long you know horse mullet right as they're swimming on top in shallow water and you spook them they dive and they make a little pop with their tail as they dive i haven't really watched i them. guess you're right i haven't really yeah i watch them do it all the time yeah they they'll dive that's mm-hmm. the first thing they do because hmm. they're afraid of birds oh yeah you're up above the water line big old pelican coming <laughs> yeah you were some kind of a predator i don't know what you are but it's probably best if i get out of the way yeah and they make that little pop and they dive mm-hmm and I get guys all the time think that's a redfish or a trout popping, mm-hmm. and so they start casting to it. And there's a difference. Which maybe there's trout around, but there could you, be. But, but could yeah, be a trout or could be a could red. Could just be a scared that, mullet. <laughs> yeah, it could just be a scared mullet that's you spooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, when I see it, is when I go into little back, little small back lakes. Yeah, and you'll see a lot more of that popping going on. Uh, learn the difference between that and a redfish eating. Mm-hmm. You know, a redfish eating. I was, described it many times sounds like a toilet flush to me it's whoosh. Mm-hmm. i mean it's a it's a deeper yeah. splash yeah uh, a trout is more of a pop mm-hmm. uh, and if you're in a snook area snook sound like somebody clapped their hands it's a it's a unique sound that's cool it's just a pop mm-hmm. yeah and it echoes it's a clap yeah <laughs> i mean that's what it sounds like yeah. and it, it's a really cool sound to hear when you're in snook territory mm-hmm. uh but those are probably the the main things that I look for when I'm on the platform. I, I'm constantly watching for a school. Right. We had a lot of schools Sunday uh, that were swimming along, and they weren't really tailing it early, mm-hmm. but they were schooled up, and there was 10, 15, 20 redfish at a time coming down the shoreline. Well, it kind of looks like a group of mullet. Right. Uh, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. And it's really hard to tell at times whether it's mullet or not. Mm-hmm. Cast. Yeah. Go ahead and put a cast out in front of them. Yeah, uh, something that I've seen over the last couple of weeks is with the shrimp starting to get out in the grass a little bit. Mm-hmm. Redfish are tailing schools of mullet. Hmm. Uh, they're if you see a big school of you know eight nine inch long mullet right in shallow water, look amongst them if you can see in it in the sun there might be look amongst them and there's a whole lot of times there's been one or two or three reds. Mm-hmm kind of behind them and underneath them a little bit and all they're doing is waiting for those mullet a big school of mullet going across the grass flats going to spook something right that's smaller because a shrimp doesn't know the difference between a mullet and a redfish mm-hmm. when it swims over it so the shrimp start moving out of the way and that's when redfish hmm. attack hmm. so they have no intention whatsoever eating that mullet the mullets they're just too big it, yeah. they don't want to mess with it but the mullet is scraping the bottom and guess what else is and, down there? And pushing pushing yeah. other stuff out of the way. That's a good point. And I've done it with. I've had the same thing with trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, trout will 
those big long lines of foot long mullet they get in the bays in mm-hmm. the spring mm-hmm. i've thrown all along the sides of them and caught big trout mm-hmm. uh, those trout weren't eating those mullet yeah there was other stuff there's other things that were around those mullet. it's a food chain man Cla- yeah. classic classic food chain the other thing and, and this is uh it seems obvious, but just as a reminder, you 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 know, sunglasses, the right glasses, the right optics, you you gotta have on almost yep. at all times, whether it's cloudy or not. Um, because of uh, one thing you didn't say that I know you you know you agree with is sometimes you see shadows of things that are just. How many times you been on your boat and you see like something maybe flash or some yeah. sort of shadow or something? So it's almost like. You're like, wait, what, what? 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 Was there something in the water? There was. I mean, I always tell. I, I've told people, like, right. if you think you saw something flash through the water, yeah. it there was. It did. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> I get guys all the time on the bow that <laughs> they'll stand there and they say, "I think that was red," and they've still got their rod not yeah. in their hand, or even just like casting. a little streak of gray or, or yeah. dark. You know, some sort of shadow. If you see something that jumps out at you mm-hmm. for some reason out of the corner of your eye or whatever, be a predator and pounce. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a fish it there, wasn't it wasn't your imagination right. something was there. <laughs> that's right uh, and then the last thing uh is sometimes you'll see a little puff of uh sand a little yeah. puff of uh dirt or, or you know, mud or whatever that's something that could have been a stingray for good you know for yeah. goodness sakes who knows but that was something that just kind of moved along and there is fish there and, and there's a way to tell the difference of what kind of fish left yeah uh, i've spent so many hours on the polling platform and i've watched every kind of fish flee from my boat would you describe a stingray as like a mushroom cloud more or less then it kind of goes just like a like a big it's like a big old it's a big puff yeah it's a big puff uh redfish make one big puff Mm -hmm. when they spook and they take off there's one pretty good sized puff Mm -hmm. Uh, depends on the bottom you know right 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 you know how soft it is and everything mullet when they take off generally aren't going to puff they got skinny little tail it's, it doesn't have that much power to it. Mm-hmm. Redfish with that big old wide tail, it's got some power. And when you spook him, he's going to make a puff. Mm-hmm. A sheep's head makes alternating puffs. <laughs> it's They're smaller and they're closer together. Yeah. And it'll be right, left, right, left. Like, like somebody you said, walking. zigzag. Well, it's almost like somebody's taking – if you looked at somebody's right. footprints in the mud, right? that's what their puffs look like. I don't know exactly why that is, mm-hmm. just the way they swim. Uh, trout is a series of puffs scattered – apart mm-hmm. just smaller puffs because they're not going to push real real hard they're just right. they're just getting out of the way they're easing out uh, they'll stop they'll stop at times yeah yeah so you'll see a series of puffs mm-hmm. follow the puffs yeah. look in the direction of those puffs mm-hmm. uh, when it puffs start looking for a wake uh, know that your fish is probably a foot to two foot in front of that wake. right so when you cast you want to lead it uh, a series of puffs close together you see it all the time and my guys always look over the side. What is that? It's a flounder. Yeah, flounder will like just, they 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 skip right. Yeah. They skip, and every time that their tail wags, mm-hmm. you know, to push them. Think forward, about it, the physics. They hit the bottom <laughs> yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're really really close together, it's a little small flounder. If they're mm-hmm. a little further apart, it's yeah. a bigger flounder. Okay. Watch those little puffs, mm-hmm. and if it's looks like it's a bigger fish and a bigger fish will actually make swirls on the top if you're in shallow water. Mm-hmm. You'll see these a series where the puff is. And then you'll see a, a swirl like on the, the top. Like the, the wake almost, right. but goes straight up. A little Venturi goes on. Yeah. And follow that, kind of watch him. Mm-hmm. And I've caught him before. Uh, but uh, but bottom line, on down. any of these things that you see, 
Throw the line. Cast. Right. Go ahead and cast. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm it not particular about, oh, I, I don't want to catch a flounder today. I want to catch. No, no, no. If you, hey, wait a minute. Cast. <laughs> if you're in any doubt, just throw yeah. the, the dang line out there yeah. and get it done. Uh, but those are some things. But those shadows I always laugh at because I still catch myself like stopping for, for pausing for a second, uh, like going, wait, did I just see? And then by then he's gone. But like yeah. if, if you see something out of the corner of your eye that looks like a shadow's kind of streaking or moving, Throw your line. Yep. Throw your line. All right. I'm excited about this. I've done a l- very little kayak fishing. For a while there, I was into it. But you're one of the kayak experts uh, in the country, much less uh, right here on the Texas Gulf Coast. Great question. Guy, Guy. I mean, we get this all the time because it's an exploding industry right now, as as you and Camille well know, because uh, Camille's in the industry. You've been in the industry, and you've been a tournament kayak fisherman. Soup to nuts, as they say. So you say you want to get into kayak fishing. Uh, the question was tips for style, gear, how to fish it, what to start with, et cetera. Let's, let's dig in, and, and, and if we have to put off another couple of these topics, we will for the next week, because I think this is something that a lot of people are interested in. Uh, safety first. Of course. PFDs. We lost a guy last week, mm. Texas City Dyke. Mm. First time he ever had his kayak in the water. Oh, jeez. Didn't have a PFD on and went out it's 30 mile an hour winds mm-hmm. by himself you know go with a buddy have that's a pfd yeah. let people know where you're going watch the weather if go to some protected places when you first start off mm-hmm. uh, he went out i mean that's a big wide open area yep and it was is sad yep. you know i mean then he had posted on social media what he was gonna do that he was excited and he had his kayak in the bed of his truck going out going to get her wet for the first time oh my gosh that's and, sad uh, yeah it was it was pretty rough so safety is always my number one i'm mm-hmm. gonna preach it every time mm-hmm. um get a good fitting pfd don't not your orange horse collar right uh they make paddling pfds they're they're cut more under your arms mm-hmm. but the thinner ones they're a little thinner sometimes mm-hmm. but the biggest thing is right underneath your arms on the sides of your body Mm -hmm. is more open so that you're not chafing as you paddle Mm -hmm. Uh, so there are paddling pfds out there okay get you one of those and makes a big difference after three hours right (laughs) makes a huge difference after 30 minutes yeah no kidding um so a good well-fitting pfd that allows your freedom of movement Mm -hmm. uh paddles man there's so many different paddles out there um you've got all different materials there are a million different paddles you got to get the one that fits you and pulls enough water for you yeah and the low end one is going to be a aluminum Mm -hmm. or uh, yeah aluminum shaft with a plastic blade Mm -hmm. Uh, then you're going to have fiberglass shafts with plastic blades then you're going to have fiberglass with a fiberglass you have some that are asymmetrical in terms of how they oh yeah you know you got that as well then you're going to have probably pulls more water right uh because you can it depends on how you learn to paddle. Right. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that pulls the water is the stiffness of the blade. That's where the the better blade. You know, it's one of those things where you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. uh, like rods and all these other things that we use. Uh, you buy a cheap paddle, you're going to struggle most of the time. Yeah. Because I, I equate it to you're spinning your wheels when you grab a grab a big bunch of water in the front and you're mm-hmm. making your paddle stroke mm-hmm. if that paddle blade's not stiff enough it's bending it's it's letting water off the end of it mm-hmm. you're not pushing as much water as you you could be right so you're exerting more effort 
also those paddles are heavier. So every paddle stroke is more work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can spend, you know, you can get into the two, three, four hundred dollar range and get you, a, you know, a high end paddle. Right. Uh, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, but a good starting out, but get somewhere in that mid range. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to get into it heavy, uh, I've got carbon fiber paddles I love. They mm-hmm. weigh just ounces. You know, just a few ounces. And they can message you, and they're solid good good paddles mm-hmm. uh super stiff but i really really lightweight uh there's like you said there's offset blades mm-hmm. if you learn to paddle with an offset blade it's it is more efficient uh you're rolling it, your you're it, rolling your wrist you're rolling your wrist yeah and it requires a little more practice mm-hmm. and if you start off paddling with one and learn it it's probably best i started off learning flat you know, yeah, both and blades so you the just same, stuck with it. and I kind of stuck with it until mm-hmm. later on when I got more serious about it, and then I offset them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, seats. Well, before you go on to seats, uh, this is uh, something I'm glad you brought up, because saltwater kayak fishing, generally you want to sit on, not sit in kayak, right? Right. Yeah. And that's because it's easier to get into, you can see better, sure. probably cast better. And with a sit-in kayak, there's no way water drains. If you got, you know, if you get splashed, water splashes over, mm-hmm. you catch some waves, a kayak can fill up. Right. Uh, these are self-bailing. Uh, sit-on-tops are all self-bailing mm-hmm. kayaks. Mm-hmm. Some of them sit a little lower than others. Some of them sit a little higher. Uh, one of the biggest things that I hear at, well, that's something too, demo days. Oh, uh, try before you buy. Uh, Camille has a demo day with Fish and Tackle Unlimited this weekend. There you go. Weather permitting there you go. on Saturday. Uh, call over there, look them up, mm-hmm. and they'll let you know where it is. I <laughs> I hate to admit that I don't know where my wife's going to be on Saturday. But <laughs> well, she's some uh, she's always do. somewhere. <laughs> she is always at a demo somewhere. She was at one in Baton Rouge or yeah. uh, Lafayette last weekend. Yeah, and so she's doing demos. This is the time of year, the springtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fish and Tackle Unlimited, Austin Canoe and Kayak. Uh, they all have these these demos. Try days. before you buy, man. And all the manufacturers will be out there. And they'll have all their different kayaks out there, mm-hmm. and you can just jump from one to the next to the next to the next, and see which one fits you best. And, you, and the seat—you were talking about the seat. Different manufacturers have different seats. I mean, the seats have come so far since since when I was really into mm-hmm. it. I mean, we we jerry rigged all kind of stuff <laughs> to make our seats more comfortable. We'd put gel pads underneath them and all that. We were sitting basically on a dished out spot on the on hard pretty plastic. Much. Yeah, pretty much. We had a little backrest on it. Uh, now they've got seats that are like They're recliners, like recliners and lawn chairs. Yeah. And uh, what that's done, though, it's brought you up a little higher off the water, so you're a little less stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the kayaks have gotten more and more stable over time. Uh, Old time paddlers like myself, uh, you know, Jeff Herman, Dean Thomas, and some mm-hmm. of the guys that have been doing it for fifteen to twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, are kind of uh we're dinosaurs in it because we want a boat that paddles really well yeah and we can get somewhere with it like speed an old, not comfort right and <laughs> a longer thinner boat mm-hmm. you know the old tarpon 160 was our boat man that's a pretty big uh, boat it's 16 foot yeah. and it wasn't very wide and you could you could flip it over if you weren't paying attention yeah but man we we could get somewhere mm-hmm. and really paddle with ease uh the the trend over the last few years quite a few years pedal is shorter 
shorter kayaks. 12, I've seen a lot of 12 footers lots out of, there. Lots and lots of 12. Mm-hmm. 12, 13 foot seems to be the target mm-hmm. for most of the manufacturers. Uh, and the reason a longer kayak I like better because you can go in a straighter line mm-hmm. and you're not exhibiting as much effort. The, it tracks. Yeah. A shorter one, every time you pull with the right paddle, turns it it turns yeah. just a little bit yeah and then you put the left paddle in it turns a little bit that way so you end up kind of walking the dog like a topwater going across the water mm-hmm. the shorter the kayak the more pronounced that is right um so I, that's just me being old school with it right uh, but but you, but, but, it, but you found what you're good what you're comfortable right. with and but that's the I, whole idea what i find with most people that are just getting into it is their very first concern is stability mm-hmm Am I going to have to, you know, is this thing going to roll over? Do I have to learn to do that Eskimo roll thing? Mm -hmm. No, you can't do, well, you can, (laughs) but doing an Eskimo roll in in these is just not going to work. And think about sit on top, you're going to fall off. Yeah. You you know, if if you get more than a a certain degree of angle in it, Mm -hmm. you're falling off. (laughs) Just get ready for it. So, (laughs) and so picking a kayak comes down to features mm-hmm. a whole lot these days because there's so many of the boats are so similar a lot of pedal kayaks uh, there's a lot of pedal kayaks uh, my wife works for jackson and they came out with their their uh, flex drive right and it's just like a little lower unit I was down looking, there i was looking closely at that one at the fishing show yeah. she, she was showing me and that thing is oh, that's sweet you can back up go forward uh, and it pulls out the, you, the, the prop pulls right. out it pulls, so it, it, you it, can get into you can real, real shallow water yeah. and start paddling mm-hmm. you know bring a paddle with you and you can yeah. move around in shallow water um there's so many options out there now i when i started honestly we had basically like three three <laughs> you know we had the scupper pro mm-hmm. uh we had a tarpon 160 which was a touring kayak it mm-hmm. wasn't a fishing kayak there were no fishing kayaks right and then there was the ride they were all retrofit wilderness was the ride yeah and the tarpon and so you either had a 16 foot long boat that went touring mm-hmm. and fast there wasn't a tank well in it uh guys these days you know, they wouldn't know what to do if we didn't have a tank well right. we had hatches on the front and the back of them that's it and they will put your stuff in there yeah your stuff went <laughs> inside a hatch uh the uh, ride had a tank well it was the first thing that had a tank well mm-hmm. and tank well came from dive tanks right I mean, that's that's what that boat was designed for so it was super super stable mm-hmm. it was like a pontoon boat and uh you could crawl back into it put your tank in the back and crawl back in after going spearfishing that's right. what they designed them for. right we just adopted these kayaks into fishing well now over time the manufacturers fishing caught on when i first got into it <laughs> and i was this i was a sales rep for wilderness i'll tell you this <laughs> whitewater was the big thing oh really whitewater ruled the kayak world and that's where they were built for it was a huge huge section of you know, and there's different boats, mm-hmm. different kind of boat. Um, recreational kayaking was a huge section of it. Uh, the the sit-in sides. Right. You know, the, not so much touring, but just kind of recreational Fun. 12 to yeah. 14 foot sit-in sides that were pretty stable. You weren't going to roll them over. Mm-hmm. Those dominated the market. And the guy who hired me on... I was talking kayak fishing, you know, and it's going to blow up and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he says, look, this is the piece of pie that you got. And he, he showed me with his fingers about a 5% of the pie. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is all it's ever going to be. 
Well, he was it's, wrong. It is not. <laughs> he it, was wrong. He was wrong. He was way wrong. He'll admit it today. Yeah. I'm good friends with him. Yeah. Uh, we wrote a book on kayak fishing together. Yeah. And uh, he, he just flat out admitted now. And he's because he was an old whitewater guy. Yeah. And that's what his passion was. Yeah. And he just didn't see this fishing thing taking off. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, and it it has. Dude, it's affordable. It's, it's, it's relatively. Easy, yeah. It's a good way to get on the water. Yep. Uh, yeah, if you're you're shore bound, uh, you've been wade fishing, walk in wading, or fishing jetties, fishing piers, uh, it opens up a whole new world. To mm-hmm. you. Uh, it's just it it's something you need to it's look at. Fun. It's a lot of fun. It's working the water the right way. Yep. Uh, you're it, slow. Everybody gets too hurried. It's hard to be in a hurry when you're in a kayak. Uh, you know when you're fishing you see more you smell more we were talking about yeah. that you, you you sense fish more um i loved it I, you're right down on the water uh, you're, you're yeah water level I, I absolutely love it i uh i, I could do it any day uh, I, I haven't done it as much lately as i have in the past but you you know you've done it a whole lot a whole lot look we can get into uh we, we can spend another 10 15 minutes on this because we haven't even gotten into the actual fishing side yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, of, there's of methods you, and uh, what, things that are kind of specific that, that you that you have to to do. So uh, let's let's touch on that real quick and and the bucktails and the blades and learning to fish new baits. What we'll do next week. Uh, I don't want to shortchange the fishing side um, of of kayak fishing because I think there's a lot of things you can do there. First of all, some of the basics I'll say because it's pretty obvious, but just to throw out there and then get some of your other things. You know, uh, less is more. Uh, obviously, when you're when you're on a kayak, for me it is. Uh, yeah, it absolutely less is more. Which for in terms of gear and lures and and baits, uh, you know, you, you have an extra rod, but make sure it's in a in a place or two uh, that yeah. you can use. Uh, you know that that you can hide away pretty good. But in terms of actual fishing strategies, I'm not even going to touch it. I got some thoughts, but you're the expert. Like there are different strategies you want when you're in a kayak, or that you can you can benefit from. Well, you're quieter. Mm-hmm. Your low profile, you know, use that to your advantage. Right, uh, sneak through the marsh, and you're hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like stalking and hunting. Uh, so use that to your advantage. You can get set up on points, edges, really easy. You probably want an anchor, right? Uh, I I usually had an or, anchor or with a me. stick. Uh, a stick works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on where I was. You know, most of the time where I was fishing, I could just put my feet over the side of the boat. <laughs> That's true. And I could stop wherever yeah, I wanted to. Put your to. toe on the, on the water. Yeah, yeah, I'd, on just, the I'd just lay a, lay a leg over the side and, yeah. and stop myself. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that was cool with the old kayaks. We could sit side saddle in them mm-hmm. with those other seats. Now these new seats, it's a little more difficult. All I've ever done is side sit. saddle. I know. I, and it's the way to fish in a kayak. That's for the me only way I've ever done it. Because you can crab walk. Yeah. Uh, like fishing a big flat. I would sit sideways. I, I, I get amazed. I see these pictures yeah. of guys like they're selling kayaks in a magazine or something. Right. Like, how do they do that? Yeah, how do, how, they're <laughs> just sitting in a chair now on, yeah. on top of the kayak. Exactly. And yeah, I like, man, I, I really enjoyed sitting sideways. In fact, I did it last summer. I hadn't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. And I went down there with Dean Thomas. He guides out of Aransas Pass. Mm-hmm. He's the original kayak fishing guide on the Texas coast. Good friend of mine. And we went out and we sat sideways and we crab walked across the flats yeah. on low low tide and all the reds had their backs out of the water <laughs> and we could just work our way didn't matter what the wind was doing we could work yeah, our well, way that's the other position. benefit of it 
Yeah, your lower profile. It doesn't matter if there's a windy day, man. Doesn't matter. It's not going to affect you near as much. Yeah, and uh, so that that's one of the the strategies that is no longer being used Mm -hmm. as much as the sitting sideways. Right. And but you have so much more control over your boat, and you can sneak up on fish so easy. Right. Um, So I don't know how to get around that with with some of the newer boats uh, the other thing i don't know if you would agree or disagree uh, maybe i'm just i've just been doing it wrong my whole life but whenever i've been on a kayak i've used a, a shorter rod a six six a lighter rod uh, and a lighter line uh even and, you know if i use a 30 pound braid i'll use you know 15 20 pound braid just because it's if you're sitting and casting it's harder to cast you know good distances good areas that's just me and yeah. that's what i'm comfortable with shorter lighter rod short right. lighter line lighter lure or sometimes lighter lure sometimes you want to throw a bigger one but just because you know you're, you're sitting and it's hard a lot of people especially starting out it's hard to stand up on a kayak right and i mean i stand up a lot i have i, I love standing i'm not up really comfortable like you <laughs> but i'm on a polling platform all day too exactly with, with you people got moving around on my boat so yeah. i'm used to balancing so would you agree with that? Keep things short and lighter, you know. Generally? Not so much shorter on the rod. A six six is what I'm talking what you, about. Than what you're normally, whatever you normally use. Yeah. But the difference is going to be on the butt of the rod. Okay. You want a shorter butt handle on mm-hmm. there because you are sitting down, and when you cast, depending on what size gut you got, right? Uh, that butt handle hits you in the gut as you're casting, and it kills your cast. Uh, or you have to hold your arms way up over your head right. and make a big slinging cast. Right. Uh, but being an accurate, short, quick cast, it's best to have that shorter handle. Uh, they came out with, uh, TFO came out with uh, some rods that were kayak rods mm-hmm. that you know they consulted all of us with. And yeah. What do you need? And that was pretty much the only real difference. The, the butt. Same actions, mm-hmm. same lengths, more or less overall, mm-hmm. uh, but shorter butts. I would also say learn to throw lures if you don't. It's hard yep. to fish bait in a kayak in the yeah. Texas in the Texas Bay. Yeah, you'll see guys dragging bait buckets along. Um, you can do it, but I mean that's a drag on your kayak as mm-hmm. you're as you're paddling. That bait I don't think they stay alive as well, and probably not. Yeah, because I mean, you're up in shallower water most of the time. The water's going to be warmer. Yeah, uh, I've never fished bait from a kayak, but yeah. I know guys that do. Right, but uh, yeah, the way to look at kayak fishing as far as your gear goes is you. Whatever you would do, wade fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see guys putting way too much gear. I see them at the ramp, and it takes them ten minutes to <laughs> to load all their stuff on. We call it the peewee. You know, back in the early days, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Crone was one of the grandfathers of kayak fishing along yeah. the Texas coast, and uh, he called it the peewee Herman effect. <laughs> like peewee's bicycle it had every honking horn and oh yeah thing on it. Oh, yeah. well, that's that's what the peewee Less Herman. Less is more, man. Keep and it light. You'd have people show up and that they'd have all kind of home-built contraptions and stuff and right uh less is more you know and the way dean and i fished for years and still do a mm-hmm. uh, milk crate with rod holders pvc pipe rod holders on the inside of the corners mm-hmm. one or two little bags of one bag that's or one box that's got top waters and in one box that's got some jigs in it yeah uh, some doa uh shrimp mm-hmm. i love a doa shrimp in a kayak you're in the grass it's first a, of all it's a, it's a really really effective bait in there yeah. because you're getting so close to the fish the problem with doa shrimp a lot of time for most people mm-hmm. is being able to throw them very far yeah because there's no weight to them yeah yeah and they're not aerodynamic mm-hmm. they don't fly very well mm-hmm. and so you can't cast them as accurately at distance right but 
in a kayak, you're getting really close to these fish. And you're just stealth. And you're just flipping it yeah. and just throwing it right in front of a redfish. You know, mm-hmm. I got pictures last summer on that day with Dean where I was within 10 feet, 15 God, awesome. feet of tailing that's redfish. That's awesome. And I was just taking pictures and having fun with it. Yeah. But uh, so that, yeah, I. Any, any other fishing change te- any other gear. fishing technique my gear yeah. i changed slightly lighter yeah. uh you know lighter and smaller and smaller a six six rather than a seven mm-hmm. you know but i generally throw a six six anyway and lighter line just be able to cast because you're sitting it's, it's easier you know to do, do it that way uh any other fishing techniques because the other you can drift fish oh hell you know, yeah just just like you would in a yeah. boat um just i mean i've been i've drift fished i've uh trolled mm-hmm. out of a kayak we mm-hmm. used to go off the beachfront uh, me and Jason Bryant mm-hmm. spent some days out there off the beachfront, off Galveston, catching kingfish out of the kayaks, trolling. Oh man, uh, trolling a, a big, oh. a big diving bait. Uh, we would get those big oversized uh, rattle traps. Yeah, in silver with a blue back. That would be a blast. I've never and done that. We just you go have, out on. A, did you ever go offshore? Oh yeah, like on a boat. Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah we would we would be several miles off the oh, beach. Oh, that's fun. Times. There was one day that dead we had summer. A, Hell yeah, dead summer. You got to do it when the weather is right, yeah. and you better know what you're doing with your kayak. And I would never take anybody. I had people want me to take them out because I was guiding while I was kayaking mm-hmm. too. And I had people call me all the time. They'd see an article in the magazine oh, about you catching see them kings, all the time. and they're like, "Oh man, you got to take me out there. I want to go. I want to hire you to go out." No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not hiring out to go out there in a kayak. In a kayak, eighty feet of water, whatever it is. <laughs> Anything that can go wrong can turn into something really, really bad out there. So you better right. be able to hold on, hold your own, yeah. and be able to help somebody else. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't go out there with anybody that I didn't fully trust that could mm-hmm. take care of themselves in a bad situation. Right. That's true. Um, so we had a very small group of people that would do it. Well, the dummies. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, not the smartest in the world. We had sharks that would tail, tail oh, the kayaks God. But I st- all the that, time. See, to me, that's a hoot. I and would love that. It was a blast. Yeah. They're, they're curious. Yeah. They'll swim up there, mm-hmm. and uh, the big spinner sharks. Now, your heart starts to go. It's, a- <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's interesting when you look down, and, and where your paddle just went in the water, there's a shark nose. Yeah. And I'm talking about some good size ones, too. Yeah. And uh, they would come up. They're curious, and they'll come up, and they'll – They'll nose into no, your paddle man. as it's dipping in the water. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting Hello. out there. Hello. That's a whole different ball game when you're out La- there. Last thing uh, before we, we get out of here, uh, I saw this uh, probably about six months ago, and I, I just couldn't help myself. I actually had to say something. I saw a guy getting into a kayak wearing waders, and and I said, you know, you might want to just put on a, you know, if you don't, you put some shorts on or something, because you tend to, if you fall out of a kayak. You're not probably falling feet first only to your waist. You know, you're, like, you're yeah. probably going to fall shoulder first or or flip because you don't expect to fall out of kayak, so you don't generally go in like you're jumping into a pool. Right. Uh, those waders fill, man. Uh, I, you, I think you can wear some tight waders. Like if you're going to do that, yeah, uh, have a belt. Have a belt. Exactly. You know, put you, you know, not not all the way up to your chest, not mm-hmm. all the way to the top of them, but above your waist. Right. Uh, get you a, a snug fitting belt mm-hmm. uh we've shown it uh ever with the magazine he he did a, a deal on it several years ago where he jumped in his pool with waders, with waders on. on just to dispel the myth that waders fill up with water and make you an into an anchor you got to have it the right yeah even if waders fill up completely with water yes it makes it harder you can't swim mm-hmm. you can't do anything but 
that does not in itself drag you, you, you down. You can get out because of them. the water. Yeah, weighs the same whether it's inside your waders or outside your waders. Mm-hmm. What it does is it inhibits your movements. Right. Uh, so if you if you put a belt on, now you've got air trapped in it, mm-hmm. and the biggest problem you'll have then is not floating away, <laughs> floating away with your with your feet up in the air and your head down. Yeah, uh, I think you just want to be as, as slick as you can. But if, have, if, if, if you've got a PFD on. Yeah, then it's you'll then be a, it's a non-issue. Yeah, you'll which be which you right. should have one on if you're going to go paddling. Oh, don't yeah, don't go paddling without one on. Like literally on. Yep. Yeah. Hey man, that was a lot of fun. Okay, we got a lot to cover next week, so you got to be sure to uh, to subscribe to the Bite Me podcast. We always say it. Next best thing to be in on the water is the Bite Me podcast. Subscribe today and be a better fisherman tomorrow. Uh, so next week we're going to talk about that bucktails and the blaze, like we talked about learning to fish a new bait. Good question we got. Maybe some surf fishing strategies, and how about a little red snapper talk? Uh, we will definitely do that next week on the Bite Me. Next week on the Bite Me podcast. Don't forget Captain Scott Knoll book a trip. You get these stories, you get this kind of knowledge, and you get some fish uh, for sure uh, with uh, Captain Scott. Uh, and uh, you can reach out to me with any questions uh, you have uh, at Captain uh, at uh, Lopez on Sports on Twitter, Lopez on Sports on Instagram, and of course reach me reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you